Good morning. You know, one of the things that has been awesome is that I've got to be here while we've been recording the worship, and there's such an incredible sense of just the presence of God here as we've been recording the last few weeks. I just love it. But the good thing is we actually get to get together again. Those of you who saw the uh, announcement from the premiere that from next week we'll be able to gather in groups of uh, up to 80. And so we only found out last night. We're not sure how that will look. We'll probably have to do a couple of services uh, in the short term. Uh, but just if you would watch the uh, website, uh, you'll get some information during the week as we find out what we actually can do and how we're going to do it and what the times will be. But we're planning to be able to gather together as a church from next week. So I, I'm excited about that. I'm just uh, yes, great. really thrilled that that will be the case. Uh, but please, just look, if you know someone who doesn't have access to Internet, would you please communicate with them? And when the registration, because we're probably going to have to register who's coming to what service, so we don't have to stand at the door and turn people away. We took a vote. Nobody wanted to do that. And so uh, nobody put their hand up for that. So if we register, uh, just so we know who's, who's there, Steve said he's, uh, no. Uh, seriously, uh, we're, we're very excited. But if you just would help one another in this. Johan's going to share the word whoop, this whoop. morning. He's actually starting a four-part series on the manifestations of the Spirit. In our great strategy, this was going to finish before we came back together <laughs> at the beginning of July, and now everything's been moved forward, and so God has a greater plan. He does. So uh, I'd just like to pray for him and like you to join with me and open your heart as he shares the word. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word, yes. and thank you for the anointing of your spirit. Lord, thank you that as Johan shares, there's something of you speaking to us through that. And so we open our heart to you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Not to just be inspired, but to actually be changed. We want to see more of the manifestations of the Spirit. As we gather together, one of the things we've missed is that body ministry and praying for one another and seeing the, the manifestations of the Spirit release. And so we have an excitement and expectation for more of that. Yeah. But will you do something in all of us, as Johann shares the word? Will you yeah. bless him and give him the, uh, the words to communicate your heart in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Russ. Uh, great prayer. A lot more verbose than my, my prayers for myself normally are. They'd go along the lines of, Jesus, help me. Amen. Uh, and he is going to because he is good. Uh, it's a bit strange for me to be at the pointy end of a camera. I uh, am more comfortable on, on, the, uh, on the business end of a camera rather than the, um, this end. Uh, but thankfully, there's a handful of people in the room um, to heckle me, so I feel like it's at home. Uh, beautiful time of worship this morning. If you haven't watched that, I encourage you to, to watch that video. Uh, it's actually, it's amazing when you look at the song choice, and Fiona didn't know this. She was just being led by the Spirit as she was selecting the songs for this morning. But there were songs about God's love and songs about God's holiness. And there's songs about God moving in power. And, uh, and that's really the crux of what we're talking about today. Uh, and I'm actually continuing on today from last week. Uh, if you haven't watched last week's sermon um, that Russ brought, it, it's actually it's explaining um, the fear of God 
but in the context of God's holiness and God's love. And so it was beautiful to see that demonstrated in the worship this morning. And I know that God's saying stuff and he's, on, he's, he's moving and it's always exciting when, uh, when that sort of thing happens. So if you haven't seen last week's sermon, uh, pause this video, stop it and go watch that one because we're going to talk a lot about God's love today. And it needs to be um, understood in the context of God's holiness. Um, so yeah, let's get started. Uh, we're going to be talking for the next four weeks um, about the supernatural aspect of God. And, and that actually can be quite confronting for some people. Um, some people might not have ever experienced that before, uh, but it's okay, we're in this together. And uh, I'm not saying anything that's not in the Bible. There's going to be heaps of scriptures I'm going to be going through today and for the next uh, three weeks. Um, so it's all in the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. And if I, I couldn't if I'd tried because it's, it's out there. God is big and uh, he's amazing. Uh, we are blessed as a church, we've been going for uh, about two and a half years and a, a word spoken over us as we formed this church was the Valley of the Dry Bones. And I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that if you've been coming here for a while. It's found in Ezekiel 37 uh, and it's, it's this Valley of Dry Bones and, and Ezekiel um, well, God asks Ezekiel, do you think I can bring life into these bones? And Ezekiel says, well, God, you know, you're, you're God. Good answer. That's always the best answer. And, uh, and he starts, he commands Ezekiel to start prophesying to these bones and prophesying life into them. And a lot of that, that has happened to people who have been coming to Redemption Hills. I know it's true for me. Uh, it's true for my wife, Fiona. And, and it's true for a lot of people that I've talked to that they have uh, experienced something of God's new life in them. And it's, it, it's exciting. Let's have a look at verse 9. Uh, this is where the life comes into the bones. Also, he said to me, that's God, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. I want to draw your attention this morning to the fact that they were not given new life and raised up just to stand in a valley. They were raised up to be an army. And there's something about God's new life in you. There's a purpose to it. And we're going to be talking about that. There's something about God's supernatural life in you. There's a purpose to it. And uh, we're going to be talking about that this morning. There was a real purpose behind their awakening. I believe that God has a supernatural outpouring for his church. Uh, and as we gather uh, which may be next week. It's exciting to hear that. Um, I miss, I've been missing everyone's company. I've been missing catching up with people. And, and because we're a beautiful family and we come together and we care for one another and there's a lot of that going on. But what I miss most of all is the corporate expression of God's supernatural power in our midst. And um, I'm really looking forward to that, to what God's been showing you over these last uh, months, um, what he's been leading you through and what he's been speaking to you. And as we come together, we get to share what God has been doing in each of us and see how it all matches and forms together and um, makes this beautiful body that we are. So as we're a church that believes in the word and the spirit, 
two wings of the plane, uh, we're going to go on a journey so that we're equipped as we meet back together, we can see an increase of that supernatural in our lives and through our lives. So like any good army, it's time for some training. So uh, we have weapons, they're not of this world. You might be familiar with this, this uh, scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll start from verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So we walk in the natural, but the battle that we're fighting as an army is not in the natural, it's in the spiritual. For our weapons are our, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing, out, uh, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So there's something about the supernatural aspect of what God's putting in us to, uh, to walk out this walk that he's calling us to walk. There's this supernatural aspect. Jesus demonstrates this in John 18. Uh, he's about to get arrested and so um, these guys have come to arrest him, to, to um, tr- put him on trial. And, Jesus, and Peter, he gets his sword and he slashes the ear off um, the high priest's servant. And Jesus says to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Like, put it away, Peter. You're using the wrong kind of weapon. He says, shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? In other words, there's something happening in the spiritual realm that can't be impacted by swords and stones. There's something going on supernaturally here. And so we are to be equipped to be effective in the supernatural. In Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in this evil day and having done all, to stand. The armor that we're being called to put on, it's not literal armor. We're not, we don't go down to the, the medieval store and buy a suit of armor. It's talking about a supernatural thing that we have on us that God wants us to be carrying. He wants us and actually provides for us to be supernaturally equipped. And it's his expectation that the supernatural moves through us. What does this look like? Well, uh, when, when you've been doing ministry a while, there's, the, um, there's that old story that if somebody comes to you and says, I can't hear the Lord and I, I can't hear what he's telling me to do, you always ask them, well, what was the last thing he told you to do? Do that. And, uh, and so that's great advice and, and I encourage you to do that. And in fact, let's do that now. What was the last thing that Jesus told us? Well, we can have a look in Mark um, and chapter 16, right before Jesus ascends to heaven, he says this. Um, he appears to, his, to the 11 as they sat at the table. Um, he had a go at them for not, uh, for not believing in him. Uh, and, but, and then he said this, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. That's great, isn't it? And that's what he told us to do. And so we look at that and we do that, but sometimes we forget that he carried on talking. 
because he said some more stuff here. And what he goes on to say is, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, by no means it will hurt them, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's a little more challenging. The first part I can do, we, we can get um, people like Russ, great preachers, and, and we can say, right, you do this for us. This is what God's calling us to do, and we'll, we'll make you do that stuff, and we'll, we'll get it all. But Jesus is saying more than that. He's saying, yeah, I want you to be fully word and fully spirit. There's an, a combination of both. And, and he's expecting us to do that because he says, these signs will follow those who believe. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. There's, it's not, um, yeah, maybe you will or maybe you won't. He's expecting that we, we do this stuff. And so that's a little more challenging. If it was just up to our own ability, we can actually do the first bit. We can go and preach. We can go and tell people the good news, and we should. But there's something about God's supernatural he wants that to be part of it as well. And that is out of our hands. That is only up to God, which means we're all equally capable and we're all equally incapable to fulfill the Great Commission. This is why the disciples waited in the upper room for power to come from on high. Because they knew this. They knew it wasn't just about preaching the good news. They knew that God was expecting them to be operating in a supernatural fashion. And so without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. That, this is why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take a look at what it means to manifest the Holy Spirit and how we steward it well, both corporately. Uh, and the Bible talks a lot about the manifestations of the Spirit in a corporate setting. And so we're going to look at some of that and what it means individually for each of us as well. So... We have to understand, though, that all of the manifestations of the Spirit are done in the context of love. And that's really what I want to focus on today. In, the first, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, that, that whole chapter is about the spiritual gifts and, and the manifestations. Um, in fact, we'll pick it up in verse 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So we know it's, it's to encourage all of us. It's, it's for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, through the same spirit, um, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So over these next three weeks, we're going to look at these manifestations um, and, you know, what they, what they mean and their biblical basis for it and all that sort of stuff. But for now, I really want to just draw your attention to one particular point. And that Paul has been talking about how the manifestations work in all of us, how we're all um, equal, how no one's greater than the other. And if you read through that, that um, chapter 12, you'll see all that stuff in there. And that, um, the, that the gifts that God manifests through us are also not subject to a hierarchy of import, importance. And then he goes on to say this. 
And yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but not have, have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Because you have to understand it's not about us manifesting a particular gift at a particular time. It's not even about people getting encouraged or healed or set free. It's about God's love being made known to humanity. You see, the purpose of the manifestation of the Spirit of God in us is one of the ways that God wants to show the world that He loves them. That's his purpose behind it. Another time that Jesus commissioned his disciples, he commissioned them three times. And, and the, um, the, the second time he commissioned them in Matthew chapter 10, he says um, he's going to send them out into these villages and, and um, get them to practice the stuff that he's been teaching them. And he says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that's the, the preach bit about speaking about the good news. And then he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's the supernatural aspect of what he's expecting us to do. And then he says, freely you've received, freely give. You see, he understood that the disciples couldn't actually give anything that they hadn't themselves received. And it's the same for us. We can't give anything that we haven't ourselves received. And in the context of God's love, his love is for this whole planet. We have to receive it first because no one else can receive it until we've received it. They actually receive it through us. To release love, we need to receive it. Love for each other defines us as a people of God. It says in John 13, 35, For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. So we have to be able to receive it and then release it. And it actually defines who we are. And, and another point I'd like to make is that God's love, it's not like God's in, in heaven somewhere sitting on his throne and just has these kind, kind sort of warm feelings towards us and, and that's his love. His love is actually active and, and um, interactive and it's, it's moving. Uh, Zephaniah explains it well in, in chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. He's not far off somewhere. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. There's something about God being active in his love towards us. Now, the word rejoice there means to dance, to skip, to leap and spin around in joy. That's God, how much he loves you. It's active. It's not some passive thing which is sort of happening behind the scenes. God actually wants us to experience his love every day in a new way because he's limitless. There's no limit to, he's not like got five ways that we can experience his love. He, he just wants to keep showing us new ways that he loves us. He is active in his love towards us. Why does he do that? Because as we experience God's love, we become an experience of God's love to someone who doesn't know him. 
You see, the world's idea of God is this angry judge. And, and sad to say, some Christian's idea of God is, is an angry judge. Someone who's in a, in a bad temper most of the time, or is sort of mildly annoyed all the time, and, and is kind of waiting to, to, you know, smite you with some lightning bolts if you do something wrong. And, and, and that's not the God that we know, and it's not how God would like himself to be represented. He would like himself to be represented as a God of love and draw people to him through love. And so as we experience God's love, we actually start to carry God's love and it comes out of us. People experience God's love through us and they get drawn to the Father. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, when God's love pours out of us, people encounter his true nature, his true character. And they start to meet him. They start to see him. And they start to be drawn to him. So I just want to make a few points about God's love. The first point I want to make is we are secure in his love. Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. That's all the stuff, by the way, all the stuff. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's love is big. And it's demonstrated through Jesus Christ. So if you want to see an example of what God's love is like, just read Jesus. Ephesians 3, 17, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. We need supernatural power to understand how big God's love is. This is what this verse is saying. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God's love is big. It's unstoppable. It's unquenchable. It's unavoidable. It's inescapable. God's love for us is viewed through Jesus. So if you want to know how much God loves you, just read Jesus. It's the perfect example of God's love for you and for everyone on this planet. The second point I'd like to make, we are accepted. In Romans 15 verse 7, it says, Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now this passage in Romans is about... um, how the church sort of works together and how we're supposed to be nice to one another and some tips and tricks on how to do that, uh, how to live harmoniously with one another. Uh, but it says, you know, we, we receive one another just as Christ received us. Our acceptance of each other is modeled on Jesus' perfect acceptance of us. But it goes further than that. You see, Jesus is not just accepting us like we sort of accept our crazy, you know, cousin who's, who's, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> don't want to offend any of my cousins. <laughs> our, our, you know, distant second uncle once removed, and we sort of put up with them and we kind of accept them. We just tolerate them, don't we? Uh, but Jesus doesn't accept us just to tolerate us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and trespassed. So even before we got saved, he loved us the the same amount then. 
made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is incredible stuff. This is incredible stuff. That not only does he accept us, he raises us up with Christ and he seats us with him in the heavenly places. You see, he doesn't just accept you just so he has to tolerate you. He accepts you because he wants to celebrate you. He loves you so much. He's, he's showing you off. He's like, oh, yes, I love you. Look, it's like when I, when I get, um, I've been collecting old computer equipment and I love showing it off to people who are not interested at all in it. But I love it. I'm like, oh, look at this cool thing. It's so much more that God like, loves you and he, and he raises you up and he just shows you off. And he's just like, yes, I accept you. It's the third point I want to make. We are valuable. Matthew 13, 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see, the value of the pearl in this story was determined by the price paid for it. What was the price paid for you? How much value does God place on your life? Well, you only know that by the price paid for it. You are incredibly valuable to God. Jesus was the price that was paid for your life. That's how much he values you. He gave it all up for you. We are his family is the fourth point I'd like to make. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's incredible right there, that even he, before he created the world, he chose you to be part of his family. Before you existed or the world existed, any of it. He's like, yep, I want you into my family. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. God's saying, I love you so much. I want you to be part of my family. And as his children, we now get access to him. If I wanted to uh, ring up the queen, I wouldn't be able to do that. I don't have the right number. I don't have the right access. Kate Middleton wouldn't have been able to do that if she wanted to have a chat to the queen. But once she got married um, to um, Prince, what's, what's the name of Prince William, uh, she became the, Duke, the Duchess of somewhere, and uh, you can tell I'm, um, yeah, anyway, not a royal watcher, but the, the, uh, the point remains that before she became part of the family, she had no access. Once she became part of the family, she had access. We are part of God's family. We get access. He welcomes us into his throne room. We get to go in there and talk to him every day as much as we want. So I'll finish it with this, that God's love is for you, but it's not just for you. His love is impacting the entire world through us and others like us. As we allow ourselves to be filled with his love, we automatically start to release that into the world around us. And so 
as we talk for these next three weeks about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, they must reflect God's love for them to be authentic. We must be motivated by love in everything that we do, especially when it comes to manifestations of the Spirit. You see, when love is our motivation, love is the result. You see, healing might happen, and I hope it does as we come together, but love must be the result. Prophecy will happen when we come together. God will be speaking to us through, through us all, but love must be the result. Miracles might happen. I pray they do. How exciting would that be? But love must be the result. Let me pray. Jesus, would you reveal your love to us this week? That we would be bold to receive a new level, a new measure of your love that we would um, have our eyes open, like it says in that verse, that you would give us what we need to understand just how much love you have for us. That we would continually experience your love this week in new ways, that you would show us new ways. We know that you're creative. We know that you are, you're always coming up with new ways for us to experience that. Open our eyes that we would see the ways that you are loving us this week. I want to pray for those who don't feel secure in God's love, that it's fleeting or conditional, that you would feel that God chooses you, that he's chosen you, that his love pours out upon you, that there's nothing you can do about it to stop him loving you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more or make him love you less. His love is like a never-ending waterfall that's pouring down upon you. I want to pray for those who struggle to feel accepted by God. That He accepts you. Not only does He accept you, that He celebrates you, that He seats you in heavenly places, that He's proud of you, that He loves you, that He shows you off. I want to pray for those who don't feel valuable. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. Your value to God is priceless. You are a pearl of great price. And I want to pray for those who feel like they're an illegitimate child or a servant. And just release you right now from, from the, uh, the idea that God's love is conditional, that you have to work hard to, to please Him, that He has adopted you into His family. No matter what, you're His child. And He loves you like a child. And I pray that this week we will be so full of God's love that it would start to leak out of us and into people around us. Amen. Have a great week. Next week we're going to build on this foundation that we put in place. God's love, everything is in this context. And so we're going to refer back to it quite often. Because if we don't have love, like the verse says, we're wasting our time. Have a great week and uh, we'll see you next week. Maybe life.